I am Inga Larissa. And I am Jennifer Rose. We're two whiskey pals serving a weekly whiskey podcast and rocking your whiskey world. Exploring the whiskies and distilleries of the world and meeting amazing people along the way. We'll be sticking our noses into our jams and all things whiskey. So fill your whiskey glass and join the fun. Today, listeners, welcome to the podcast. We are exploring Portuguese single malts and their amazingly interesting casks. Yes, I'm super excited about this episode because I have never tried Portuguese whiskey. I didn't even know it existed. And we previously tried Italian whiskey, which was quite nice. So yeah, I'm excited. And I like funky cask finishing anyway. Absolutely. And we've recently been jaunting in Lisbon together, haven't we, Inca? So how appropriate. Exactly. And before we stick our noses into the latest whiskey news, I also wanted to thank Woodwork or Vinaki Distillery for all these samples. Very kind of you. Thank you very much. Super, super kind. Muito obrigada. Stick your nose in it. So did you see the Glencairn Glass's new marketing campaign recently? No, I have no Inca. So they launched a campaign challenging whiskey producers to consider the glass where they use. Ooh, they're laying down the gauntlet. <laughs> yeah, wait for this, right? The campaign asks, you wouldn't serve a gourmet meal on a paper plate. So why would you serve your whiskey in a poor quality glassware? Ooh, statements like <laughs> for sure yeah and it features a tagline don't destroy your brand your whiskey deserves better Ooh, grinds lap power yeah, move i know and they even have this video where they show different types of glassware and destroy them by dropping them on the floor <laughs> they like literally like like you know glass flying and they have whiskey in the glasses and stuff and then it says don't destroy your whiskey brand. Serve it in the clinking class. Whoa. Yeah, I've seen the paper plate picture and stuff. But I just, I'm, I'm, I was really surprised by this campaign because I feel like so many people already use Glencairn and think that their class is pretty much the best. Yeah. So like that they have to, like, I guess, well, of course you have to market your product and maybe not everyone's using it, but bold I think it's quite bold that is a good word for it I like the sassiness and do you know what it's bringing it's bringing big dram energy yes and you know if you're a new listener we are quite big fans of Glencairn here so and it's the tulip shaped glass again for people new to their whiskey journey look at our logo we are massive fans of the Glencairn and Glencairn sent us branded glasses that are sexy sexy yeah, and just a disclaimer, we were massive fans before they sent the branded ones and that's why they sent us them because they realized that we keep talking about them all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. They realized we were like such super fans. I think they maybe took pity on us and sent us some glasses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In other whiskey news, Port of Leith has appointed a head of whiskey as it prepares to turn on the stills and open its doors to the public. Babav Sud, previously operations manager at the Lakes Distillery, has taken on the newly created role, marking a milestone for the 13 million nine-story tower-like distillery, which is due to open later this year. As well as tours, tastings and a top-floor bar, a port of Leith distillery will produce up to one million bottles of whiskey per year using locally grown barley. Years of research into yeast and fermentation and casks procured from Spain, 
Portugal and the US. Their anticipated figures indicate that the distillery will attract 25,000 visitors in its first year, with projections rising to 160,000 annual visitors by 2025. Oh, I'm really nervous for them because they spent so much money opening these distilleries and there's been so many setbacks. So I really, really hope that in three years time, their whiskey will be amazing. (laughs) I really hope so too. It's like quite different, isn't it? That, you know, if you've not seen the distillery, do a little Google, go online. It's a really imposing, statuesque, nine-story building on the water in Leith. Yeah, exactly. Because it's by the water, they had to, they couldn't go with the design they wanted and they had to go upwards. Uh, And also they invited us for the the opening, which I think it was 26th of September. And I'm so gutted we can't go, but hopefully we can arrange another visit at some point. Super gutted we can't go. That was really lovely of them. I know, Inca, if we had a massive Whiskey Sisters travel budget, we could drop all our other life stuff and make all these amazing invitations. But don't be perturbed, people. Keep inviting us to stuff and we will come to what we can. Japanese Komoro Distillery has revealed their opening date, the 23rd of July. The state-of-the-art distillery is located on the outskirts of Komoro in the Nagano Prefecture. Komoro Distillery's website allows users to book visits to the distillery, which now has operational pot stills and access its much-anticipated Whiskey Academy. Academy is one of those words I can't say. Academy. (laughs) Academy. <laughs> I'm actually just thinking you're seeing all these Japanese names so skillfully. <laughs> yeah, that's an easy part. The visitor center includes a bar and a shop on the first floor and masterclass rooms on the second floor. Komoro Distillery is constructed out of glass and wood and its water source, known as Noma, comes from Mount Asama, which flows past the distillery. Sounds amazing. It does sound amazing. It's ticking all the boxes with the bar and the shop and master classrooms. So the whiskey geek can be excited. Who doesn't love a shopping experience? And what whiskey lover doesn't like to prop up the bar? Worldwide whiskeys with the Whiskey Sisters. Portugal, as those of you that listen to this podcast may be slightly bored of me saying how much I love Portugal. I spend a lot of time there. But as well as being a great love of gens, Portugal has a great tradition of winemaking and a wealth of characterful, if sometimes unpronounceable, indigenous juicy grape varieties, as well as a wonderfully varied climate and topography. I feel duty bound to sample a lot of the vino branco to like sample as much of their white wine as possible because I do find it super delicious. But the country itself has a long tradition of making and aging wines and other spirits and is the birthplace of some of the best casks in the world in turn lending to the endless possibilities for traditional and bespoke coopering. And in fact, we spoke to a cooper, we were in contact with a cooper, Charles Cutler, who was saying that their main business um, is selling port and Madeira casks traditionally to Scottish distillers. Over the last 10 years, they have seen so much growth in Asian markets and even Australia and lots of orders also to artisan distilleries in Northern Europe. So that's quite exciting, isn't it? He's from Luso Barrel in Portugal, specialising in lots of funky casks. A fun business to be in, maybe, because you get to probably sample loads of bits and... 
talk to lots of distilleries. And it, it must be quite exciting, especially, as you say, especially if they're becoming more sought after with more interest, meeting people from all over the world. Very cool. And today we are featuring the Vinaki Distillery, which is the pioneer of Portuguese whiskey based in Alparcia, Portugal. They are an independently owned micro distillery with a small team of three people and big old dreams, baby. I'm really struggling with this distillery name. This is really childish, but it's called Venaki. And Naki means like a tiny little hot dog sausage in Finnish. <laughs> I'm just like, I know, it's so stupid, but I'm just, it makes me think of like little sausages that you boil. Oh, listeners, Inca was recently telling me, because Inca lives in Italy, for those of you that don't know, and she's like pretty fluent in Italian as well as being a native Finnish speaker. And she was telling me about some of the hilarious words that are the same in both languages, but mean entirely different things. I know. And all those things always mean something rude in Italian. And in Finnish, <laughs> it's just like, oh, look at the sea or, you know. So you're kind of reading the tiny sausage woodwork whiskey distillery pretty yeah. much. Yeah. So anyway, the Venaki woodwork whiskey. So they have the, the whiskey range is called woodwork, which makes sense with all the casks. Uh, so it's all about craftsmanship, cooperage and wood management. And they are curious about cask influence in whiskey, which has resulted in few unusual and even rather controversial experiments. I, yeah, I totally appreciate all that experimenting. Exactly. Get busy. You know, they do have the perfect climate for whiskey maturation, um, warm weather throughout the year, hot days and cool nights, daily variations ranging typically from 15 to 40 degrees Celsius. And also they have that Atlantic influence, so they probably get a little bit of sea breeze into their casks as well. And for also sure. the soil of, of the wine and the grapes. So like you mentioned, they are the pioneers of Portuguese whiskey and they explore all these possibilities with the with these best oak, oak casks which are naturally air seasoned up to 36 months or some of the casks they also combine staves from american and european oaks with different toast levels for extra complexity whoa that's like hybrid like new wave amazing sort of i don't know mixing it up casks yeah exactly there's so many components that will give the flavor like obviously the, the type of wood the previous liquid but then the weather the climate and also those different bits of wood pretty cool today we are sampling four whiskies from the rare portuguese cask collection like i mentioned earlier i'm super excited to try these but one thing when i was kind of researching this distillery and looking at stuff just ugh, was a bit ugh, was the fact that they still have loads of the jim murray stuff because jim murray is that the guy that is a little bit, well, a little yeah. bit saucy in his descriptives? Is that yeah. the one? Yeah, yeah. Like ah. some, some of the descriptions, they are like super gross. Inappropriate slash gross slash yeah. a little bit too far. And you know, like I don't like, you know, like when you're talking about sherry butts and, you know, joking about big butts or a bit of, you know, legs running, the legs on the glass and, you know, slow legs, whatever. You know, I do, don't, I don't mind. And like we were talking about in the previous episode about Mertley Crew, you know, asking for different body parts to be shown and the king and things like that. I'm totally fine with it, but he, he just went too far with super too far. gross, like, ugh. Yeah. So anyway, I so 
they still have like all these, uh, like on the samples they sent us, it says 93 points, whiskey Bible, blah, blah, blah. And then they have like pictures of him on his, on their website and stuff. And it's like, come on, um, just delete, delete, delete. I recognize the name, but I hadn't put two and two together. But anyway, let's try these whiskeys with an open mind. For sure. We're all for sexy, sexy whiskeys, but just not taking it too damn far. Yeah, no porn whiskey. We don't, maybe those of you that use Instagram might notice we don't even use the hashtag whiskey porn, do we, Inca? No, I don't really like that. There's a line, we've all got to find our line and tread that line, haven't we? Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. I think we find our lines and we find our like-minded people. A little bit of cheeky cheeky, but we want to align with our tribe and not get too nasty. Dram on fire. Today's Dram on Fire, we have a whopping four drams. Or we actually had, yeah, well, we actually had five, but we had to kind of limit it a little bit. So we won't be milking the tasting notes as long and as much as we would normally do. Boo! <laughs> or we probably will, and then I'll do like edit, <laughs> edit, edit. This, <laughs> this is like an hour-long episode, edit. <laughs> so we wanted to sample all of these to give you a better idea about the Portuguese whiskey and what would work actually got to offer so that's why we didn't want to limit it too much because you know we're dedicated to the cause we don't want to let people down you know we're here for you for research so let's start with the cask strength or actually all of these are cask strength as well 64.7 brandy cask finish with first maturation of three years in ex-bourbon barrels and then transferred to a first fill freshly emptied 300 liter brandy barrique for some time and it is not disclosed how long the secondary maturation took this is 90 euros 95 um seems reasonable as far as whiskeys go as long as it's good so let's see i find that the mysterious secondary maturation time i find that all quite we don't know and i quite like that before we sample let's talk about a little bit about portuguese brandy confusingly the term brandy and the portuguese equivalent aguardente can be used to describe many other types of alcohol. Aguardenshi comes from a combination of the words agua, water, and ardenshi, meaning fiery, which we like because it makes me think of dram and fire. In the Algarve, they have arguenshi de marono. I don't know if that's how you say that. Aguardenshi de cana de acusar. Axar. I don't know how to say that, actually. I am learning Portuguese, but I've not learned that word yet, which means sugar, which is ironic because I love sugar, which is brandy from cane sugar and is much popularly known as cachaça. Is that how you say it, Inca? Yeah, cachaça, yeah. It's which a is- It's a Brazilian brandy. (laughs) (laughs) However, even if we don't have confirmation on this, we are guessing the brandy casks used for this release are coming from the Lorena region or it could be from the most famous of the Portuguese brandies, Macieira. Yeah, so we did ask uh, what type of brandy, not necessarily the brand, exact brand, but what type of brandy they were using, but they weren't allowed to give any information and because they said it was like some of the big names so that's why we came to this conclusion that it's probably one of these two but we don't know for sure but let's sample and see what we think so color on this one golden syrup so deep golden bordering on amber for sure and kind of sunsetty maybe even what about the nose? How did you find it, Inca? Obviously, because it's quite strong. It's quite in your face at first. So it needed a little bit of time in the glass. But loads of 
different baking spices and mm-hmm. I was getting that kind of coffee cakes with loads of baking spices, maybe some kind of mocha feel to it. What did you get? I got kind of there was strong depth of aroma on the nose, like a kind of heavy sweet pastry, vanilla pod, but also a citrusy thing. I was maybe wondering, is it lime? Is it passion fruit? Yeah, I find that like a lot of these drams, actually, there was a lot going on. I got the citrus on the palate. I didn't get so much on the nose. So like on ah, the palate, okay. I found it very oaky with a lot of cinnamon and yeah, some citrus. And then I was thinking like, oh, actually like lemon peel, like lemon zest. Absolutely. I wasn't loving it. I got, I can really get on board with the lemoniness. I got a burst of citrus flavors. I got fresh lemon. Then I got a candied lemon peel. You know, that kind of weird candied lemon with sugar around it. I was wondering, like, is it popcorn kernels? I was thinking of pastel de nata, you know, the Portuguese custard tarts, like the flaky pastry and maybe a bit of white pepper spice. I did enjoy it actually on the palate. Yeah, there's definitely some spice thing going on. I don't know, it was just not giving me much. And because it was kind of like a spicy, like hot. And I don't know if it was because maybe because today is 37 degrees here or because it's, you know, higher ABV. So I did add a drop of water, which is crazy. Shock horror. Hold me down. I know. And it became a bit drier and even more woody, but it didn't become that much more spicier, funnily enough. But I didn't still, it didn't. It didn't work for me. The Wood nose was work. okay, but the palate was too oaky, too kind of citrusy. Not my, I wasn't like super fan. Not a super fan for you. How did you find the finish? I found it quite caramelized and the spice for me changed from a white paper spice on the finish to a ginger spice tingle. Yeah, there's definitely that kind of tingling thing going on, but I just find it very woody and oaky kind of ah. wood chips. And I was quite impressed by the depth of flavors. I was in a happy place. I was in a sunny place. I'm in love with Portugal. I don't know whether that helped the sort of enraptured vibes, but I did enjoy it. So it's good to hear your thoughts too. Up next, a Tony Port cask number one. 63.8% retailing at 330 euros. Woo! We are very grateful to have this pricey sample. I'm really go I'm really respecting that they're all cast strength. You really then get the full flavor from the cask. For sure. And this Tony Port cask, three years in ex-bourbon barrels, then transferred to first fill, freshly emptied 500 litre, 20-year-old Tony Port butt. Oh, see, I want to make a butt joke now, but I can't because we just spoke about gin. Port (laughs) is the type of fortified wine, which is made by adding a distilled spirit. They are produced with grapes from the Douro Valley in the northern part of Portugal. I feel terrible. I feel I'm pronouncing all these lovely places badly, but hey, we're consistent. We're always goofing up with the pronunciation. The spirit choice is usually a grape brandy and its addition halts the fermentation process, resulting in a higher sugar content as well as that higher ABV. The age statement referring to the time spent in wood. Tony lovers often refer a 20-year-old, believing that it kind of strikes the right balance between the aged character and fresh, zesty youthfulness. And usually, Tony pots have rich amber color and the flavors of caramel and nuts. If it's aged for longer, maybe flavors like dates and prunes. So kind of similar, I would think, to px cherries maybe and the age doesn't mean a single vintage a tony is usually blend of several different wines and usually those wines come from several different years so the age 
is normally a very loose calculation rather than the average and it's more based on the taste than anything mathematical. I found it at first I was like confused by this the samples that we had the labeling because I was thinking like oh this whiskey is 20 years old and then I realized actually no it's the Tony Port that's been aged for yeah. 20 years. Okay similar color I think on that one. Yeah definitely light ambery for sure. Yeah. I found this one quite different on the nose. How did you find Whoa, it? Oh, so different. This was like sweet iced tea. I was getting vanilla custard, cheesecake. My mom used to make this kind of cheesecake with, it's almost like a sweet bun, like uh, rather than that kind of. Uh, Is it the one, did she bake it in the oven? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Oh, like a baked cheesecake vibe. They are also baked. super badass. It has like uh, tinned peaches and raisins in it as well. Ooh. Yeah, so I was getting a lot of that. It was like taking me back to my childhood. Uh, I was also getting dusting like a vanilla sugar type of thing, which mm -hmm. is really strong, and some whipped cream. I found it super different on the nose. As I'm nosing it again now, I can very much like be nodding my head vigorously to all your, your nosing notes. I actually found it on initial nosing quite floral. I'm like, oh, rose garden, then like musky rose perfume, fresh apple, like juicy, juicy grapes. So I found it kind of lighter, but still with depth of sweetness. So it's really interesting to hear your notes. Yeah. Yeah, it was very sweet. Mm. Actually, now that it's just having a quick nose in it, I think also those dandelions. Yeah. Creamy kind of dandelion. Yeah, for sure. Floral and the kind of milkiness from the stem. I think it was very similar to the nose on the palate. For me, too sweet. It feels really strong on sweetness, but also on the alcohol levels. I was thinking melted chocolate ice cream, chocolate filled wafers, lots of dry fruits, a lot going on there, but it was so sweet. Interesting, because we know that my palate's a bit sweeter than yours, although I don't like sickly sweet. I found it gingery spiced, orange spike like sponge cake, so that any sort of citrus was much sweeter in the oranginess. But I was also thinking, you know, those quite heavy, juicy pastries that have got custard and fruit in them? I was thinking of those, so a kind of depth and a buttery sweetness. On the finish, I was like, what is this? I think the spice went into in Finland growing up did you have that popping candy that you put in your mouth oh and yeah. Like, yeah yeah I got a popping candy finish I was just getting oaky spice and nutmeg on the finish but this was one of the I added water on two of the drams and this was the second one because it was so sweet again and I was like oh now I actually kind of wanted those spicy notes that I would normally get with water okay. it's like oh balance it out with something tiny tiny couple of drops the nose, I was getting those pink cocktail cherries, mandarin skin. It was still mm -hmm. sweet, but like mm -hmm. it was definitely slight differences. And yes, the palate became slightly spicier, but it actually worked better. Like I think it worked wow. the sweetness. You know, mm -hmm. there was a bit more vanilla, cinnamon, ginger that you mentioned as well. And so it kind of balanced it out. So maybe, yeah, it could do with a few drops of water just because it was so sickly. That's very interesting. It's almost like your palate on a hot day would need that made in a delicious, stylish highball and some little savoury snacks by the side. Sounds about right. Yeah, I like that. Now I want one. <laughs> Where's my nuts? The same template, same base for this whiskey. However, this was then transferred for whiskey number three into a first fill freshly emptied Duro wine cask, which was a ST. 
FTR cask for extra maturation for again an undisclosed mysterious number of years and it would cost you 360 euros on the current market. Have you been to Porto Inca? I have not, but it's on my list because everyone always says Porto is amazing. You have to go. It's so beautiful and it's really fun and funky and just cool. I think we should go anyway and explore all these, you know, Dura wine. So understand all these casks better. Also, port comes from Dura Valley or Porto. So sure, we should definitely go for a little trip. Absolutely. Whiskey sisters! Douro Valley is one of the most beautiful wine regions in the world and deservedly Portugal's best known and has quickly emerged to lead the way as the country's premium wine region and many port shippers have seen the potential of their grapes to make exciting full-flavoured reds and fresh dry white. There is an enormous variety of different terroirs within the Douro Valley. This is essentially a sparsely populated hot region where grapes are grown on spectacularly steep terrace slopes. Wine grapes are the same as those that go into port and which names we don't even try to pronounce. These wines tend to be high in tannin and flavour and the skill of the winemaker is to keep the fruit and freshness in the finished wine. So this one was a slightly darker, I would say, ambery, burnt caramel. Yeah, I think it was darker. And I did find it, again, slightly different in the nose, again, highlighting the, you know, the cask finish and how much influence it can have. I found it sweet, but maybe some orchard fruit sweetness. And I was also getting, you know, warm sugar donuts, those kind of super unhealthy oh, doughy yeah. ones. Oh my God, I love them. They call them Giambella in Italy. And my husband is always laughing at me because when I have one, I'm just so happy. It just transferred <laughs> me. Like Finnish people love donuts. And it's those donuts with the hole in the middle and just lots of sugar. And when they're soft and like, yeah. So bad for you, but I love them. Yeah, like Homer Simpson donuts. Now that you said that, I definitely got that on the nose. Mm, give me a donut with this dram. So what did you get for your nosing notes? Oh, this one was fabulous. So I was getting that kind of really thick, dark treacle, dark demerara sugar, some burnt caramel, uh, some juicy dried fruits that are still kind of they're soft, yep. you know, they're not dried out completely with some chocolate, like, you know, those yeah, dark chocolate with like cranberries or something like that. There's slightly herbal undertone there, like moss or that kind of slightly green. Like imagine you're eating the sugary donut and you're smelling it, but then someone is smoking a menthol cigarette right next to you. That's, that's like, mm, I quite like that, but it's like, maybe this is more toasted, the cask, I mean, because I'm getting slight smokiness. I enjoyed it on the palate. I was kind of getting a sweetness and I was wondering, are there a kind of, is there a sour cherries or green apple? But it wasn't sour in the strongest sense of the word. I was wondering, is it a zesty lemon drizzle cake? But I was getting like nice light sponge cake, but I was in a happy place. It wasn't just as donutty, but there was elements of that carbohydrate buzz. Yeah. Did you find it salty at all? Now that I'm sipping it, I would add into the finish notes, I do have a mild saltiness and I kind of like salt. So I'm yeah, really enjoying me it. me too. So I, yeah, I was getting salty. Uh, then it was like dried fruits. And you know, that kind of, you said that kind of sour and like you weren't sure what that was, but yeah. like I was getting cranberries. 
that makes sense. cranberries, that yeah. kind of slight kind of bitterness. But then, you know, those herbal grassy notes that I was getting on the nose, mm-hmm. on the palate, I found things like rosemary and juniper, something kind of pine piney notes botanical herbal goodness i'm loving that and there was also a spicy hot feel to it so some sort of maybe slight chili dark chocolate and a little bit of caramel in there somewhere as well i was loving it loving it oh that's so good you're just team duro wine cask i really enjoyed it as well the finish i've written post pastry carb happiness sweetness vibes with some ginger spice but as I wrote ginger spice I thought is it a chili spice but I was having happiness you know if you eat carbohydrates and you kind of get a wave of serotonin and all the good all yeah. the good brain chemicals and you just feel kind of like happy mm-hmm. carbohydrate comish I kind of had that on the finish I was like nice so the last one is Madeira cask finish and again the same concept ex bourbon three years freshly emptied Madeira cask and we don't know for how long it's been in that cask bottled at 63.5% ABV and cost you a whopping 280 euros the price point like oh my god I have to say the prices on these are crazy and the bottles are 500 mils as well it is a luxury sip because of the price point and I do feel we're very lucky to be trying them. But yeah, there's a whiskey communi- community that people too tend to like, especially if you're in the same country, people buy a bottle together and then like split, the, yeah. you know, so like maybe five people buy the bottle together and then they split the samples or one person buys the bottle and then sells the samples to other people who want to try and post them. So that might be an idea for anyone who wants to try these things, but don't really want to commit to such a pricey thing so just find your for sure and dive into the portuguese whiskey world that's such a good shout do you know in my portuguese lesson i learned that you pronounce that madeira well that's what infinity would say madeira as well we seem to in the english language say pretty much everything wrong that's not i know i need to just start pronouncing everything how i see it in finnish because i guess with portuguese it's similar to italy italian so a lot of the words are easier yeah you can help me with my portuguese so The Madeira wine comes from the Madeira Island located in the Atlantic Ocean in front of the African continent. The wine itself is a fortified Portuguese wine and it dates back to the 15th century. The crushed and pressed wine grapes are often fermented in their own skin. They also use a special heat and moisture treatment that is meant to replicate the journey of the Madeira casks on the ship's back in the day. The maturation period and storing facilities range from stainless steel tanks and these juicy oak casks that we now have the benefit for. Um, And the legislation dictates that the wine has to be stored for at least 90 days at 55 degrees Celsius. That's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, I didn't know that. Steamy hot. And this cooking process lets the wine undergo many reductive and oxidative stages, adding a lot to the coloring of Madeira. At the end of the maturation, the alcohol levels are adjusted by adding grape spirit. Steamy vino coming from the body heat. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, on that note, can we just say R.I.P. Tina Turner? Oh, yeah. Sad. Okay, so the Madeira cask finish. Oh, the coloring color. Let's chat about that. Yes. Okay. 
first I wrote mahogany, then I wrote mm. dark chestnut, and then maroon. <gasps> it is so deep, isn't it? It's almost orange. It's just such a deep color, isn't it? Yeah, that's definitely the, the deepest of them all. For sure. How did you find this in the nose? Okay, so do you know the German sweets called Toffifer? I do know those. So Toffifer is a caramel cup with nougat, caramel and hazelnut topped with chocolate button. So I was getting all that, all of it. And oh, some tablet cool. and fudge and all of that. It was a bit oily how it sticks to the glass. Yeah, that makes sense. I was getting an oaky nose, a wet woodiness, really ripe plum, super juicy, dark ripe berries. Again, sort of rich, juicy, sweet caramel. I was enjoying it in the nose. I found it again quite different. It was a really nice nose. What about the palate? I found the mouthfeel quite nice. There was kind of softness to it, a slight heaviness to it. But now when I kind of go on the second sip, because it's just getting so hot in here, I'm like losing it a little bit. But did you find that? Did you think there was? Yes. But Inka, I know we're both sipping in hot climates for this episode. However, I think there's something in this cask finish that gives some sort of different mouthfeel that feels a depth of warmth. Yeah, absolutely. I got on the palate sherry soak sponge, less spicy, like a juicy juicy trifle the whipped cream sort of cinnamon plump sherry soap raisins but this kind of warming melting I don't know like embrace from this dram as I as I sipped it actually it was surprising because it was slightly drier on the palate than compared to the other ones but then there was still that kind of sweet milk chocolate feel to it I was getting coffee cake with nuts and dried fruit and on the finish I was getting licorice oh, so, okay. like a salty licorice but that kind mm -hmm. of still kind of sweetness of the licorice root that you get with gins and the nose was so sweet and it's giving me all that nougat and all that kind of caramel sweetness the palate mm -hmm. wasn't as sweet but I still really enjoyed it I was quite surprised by it I just by that kind of sensation of warmth not just like warmth of the whiskey kind of spice or alcoholiness just something different that I'm not describing very well but I think you can feel me and get on board with that mm -hmm. and I did enjoy it but as I'm sipping it again as we're chatting I feel I'm enjoying it all the more like there's so many layers to it somehow yeah and I think now that it's been in my glass for a while there's some sort of fruity fresh fruit on the on the background like cranberry or a red currant I'm a finding black, it. Maybe blackcurrant, actually. Right, let's cut to the chase. What is your favourite? Come on. Okay, from, do you want to do the whole order from the least favourite to favourite? Yeah, go for it. Okay, least favourite was the first one, the brandy one. Then the port was too sweet for me, although I did enjoy it much more with water, surprise, shock, horror. Sure. And then, oh, I don't know, um, maybe the Madeira and then winner is the Duro. Very nice. That's it's an interesting journey and the difference in those finishes. Mm. Such almost like, you know, their experimental use and, you know, innovative ways. Super interesting. I'm finding it quite difficult to pick a favourite. I'm erring towards the Duro. I really enjoyed the Madeira. But to be honest, I quite enjoyed the Tony Port. I am a fan. I was a little bit worried because um, the pot was so sweet that I was thinking, oh no, they're all going to be really sweet and like, yeah. I'm not going to enjoy this. But I did really like that Dura. I like that toasty 
slight smokiness. I like the kind of juniper pine thing that was going on there, that rosemary. It really just came together really nicely. For sure. It would be nice if we could give a couple of samples of the first brandy cask finish that we have a little bit more of. If any of our listeners are interested, perhaps they could ask us in Portuguese for a sample and we might be able to sort that out. And I would just like to say, Muito obrigado pelo whisky, venaki estava delicioso. Mwah. Whiskey Sisters, Whiskey Fact. In Portugal, there are four different types of fortified wines. Carcavelos, Madeira, Moscatel and Port. Also, Spanish sherry casca, obviously widely used in whiskey maturation. But how did fortified wines come to be? As many foods and beverages throughout history, fortified wines weren't a direct invention per se, but were an innovation that came out of sheer necessity. Traders started adding extra alcohol to still wines to preserve them during long boat trips. As early as the 16th century, several southern European countries, including Portugal, were exporting their wines to Europe and beyond. The trips that used to happen with sailing boats were long and over choppy waters, and this, of course, had a major impact on the quality of the wines, which often reached their destination in less than their prime state. Refrigeration wasn't an option back then, so it was all transported in barrels, not bottles, and the wine would tend to oxidise and become vinegar Oh, yuck. And the addition of spirits was a way to get around this situation as higher alcohol content would result in less spoilage. If in doubt, add more alcohol. <laughs> when does that not go wrong? When this method of fortifying wines came about, not everyone in the wine industry was happy, as some would suspiciously consider this a way to adulterate wines of poor quality. But the truth is that over time, this resulted in less waste, happy customers, and the birth of a type of wine that is nowadays very much appreciated all over the world. I love when these sort of innovative, let's kind of be solution focused and, you know, throw a bit of a effort at it kind of works out in the end and also i love that people wanted to drink alcohol so badly that they had to like figure out ways to make it last and not be vinegar respect because, you know. whiskey sisters rest. overall great mix of bottles next week we are traveling from portugal all the way to england and we will be chatting about english whiskey sample whiskeys from cotswolds and Oxford Artisan Distillery. I'm really looking forward to this for many reasons. And in the UK, the majority of our listeners are in England. Thank you, English people, for listening to our podcast. I know. I feel like I need to practice my proper English accent for next week. Inka, are you going to tell our listeners that you used to live in Essex and you can speak many an Essex phrase? I know. I was <laughs> going to. I was like saving my Essex joke for next week so you'll have to listen next week to hear my silly joke you know the score regular listeners but if you're new to us follow us on instagram at whiskey sisters podcast twitter at whiskey sisters and facebook at whiskey sisters podcast at the proxima Inca. oh alla prossima ciao ciao may your class be full and your dram on fire 